It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful co-host of this fine program, Estate Planning Essentials, and I share the microphone with my partner, my attorney, who should be your attorney, our local legal expert, Michael Z. Cohen. Hello, Michael. My goodness, I, I don't know what the middle initial is. I, of course, my middle initial is B, is in beautiful. Beautiful. So tell me what you're telling that the. <laughs> tell me what the middle initial is that you're coming up with today. Well, uh, this time it is Z for Zoom, and I don't mean legal Zoom, which is uh, not something we want anybody to do. It's uh, Zoom as in Zoom video conferencing, and that kind of seems to be the uh, unspoken theme of the day, because that's still how you're going to be conducting your future workshops, which the next one is Saturday, August the 21st at 10 o'clock, which is free, which is online, and which is done via Zoom, um, where no one has to leave the comforts of their own home like we talk about, and they can not have to be there via video. They can just be there via audio. And it just seems like, Michael, it's going to be Zoom for an indefinite period of time because of the latest virus. Uh, unfortunately, the Delta variant and maybe other variants uh, yeah. will make things seem to be getting worse as opposed to getting better. So, uh, but, but you know what, Michael? Uh, it doesn't stop anything, though. It doesn't stop um, what you own. It doesn't stop you from most people making money um, and having an estate to be concerned about all of the time. My father, I know, who sits, who's 84 in November has a file for estate planning. It's always there front and center, I've told you, on his dining room table, making certain that everything goes according to his plans while he's alive and after he passes away. And the same thing holds true for anybody listening to this program, regardless of what viruses or other things are going around the world. They've got to make sure that's exactly the way they want it while they're alive, if they become disabled or when they pass away. You know, we had a client just uh, this week, unfortunately, to illustrate your point, unfortunately, Dad put himself in a position where uh, he was more likely to get COVID, and he did get COVID. Uh, he died. He he. Everything went to his wife, but then she, she unfortunately, every other member of his family also got COVID as a result. And then the wife, uh, they didn't do any planning, so they they had like let's say life insurance and uh, an annuity. Uh, and it all went directly to the wife, but she had absolutely no planning, and now she lacks mental capacity. And so how are they going to pay for care? They don't have access. There was no power of attorney, so there's no the kids can't use the money that was inherited by mom from dad because there's no authority to act on her behalf. So she had individual accounts uh, or in her name, uh, or maybe it was a joint account with dad, and now they can't touch it because they have no authority. There was no plan in place. So that means you have to go by the state's laws. Uh, in this case, I said, well, 
it looks like you're going to have to go through guardianship. And mm-hmm. that means, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big estate, but they have to, uh, now they'll have to have an attorney uh, representing to see, you know, representing mom, mm-hmm. an attorney who's seeking guardianship. They have to get doctors to determine if there's a capacity or not, go by the state's rules, get court authority if they want to sell the house, uh, because she, there's no power of attorney, so even uh, if even if dad's half went to her, um, there's still no authority to sell. So now, all of a sudden, without the plan, so I'm, I applaud your dad for his, the fact that he's got an estate plan, but some people, you would think in, in these COVID-19 days and with all the variants that may be coming upon us, that this would be the time when he'd be planning the most. They not only did not plan for at what happens at death, but they didn't plan what happens if there was disability. What should they have done, do you think, instead in light of COVID and everything else? Even if they had something basic, just a simple power of attorney, yeah. and then the kids wouldn't have had the authority. A power of attorney is simple, sim- something simple and, quite frankly, inexpensive to do. Mm-hmm. And even the most basic of documents, even if they had just... Quite frankly, even just use a statutory form, although I'm not generally recommending that because we often do a lot of other things that would have been better in their case because now mom's in a nursing home and we could have done additional planning if there had been uh, additional extra powers put in the power of attorney. But at least, at least if they had just a standard power of attorney, statutory language by the state legislature, they could have paid mom's bills. Now they have to get the court's approval and go through a whole lengthy court process because they didn't spend, even if they just done a form for free, even if they had done something simple as that, an ounce of print prevention is worth a pound of cure. Boy, that's true. I was going to use the phrase organized chaos, but it sounds like it's disorganized chaos because in a lot of instances, people don't know what to do, where to turn, because this is complicated, it's legal information and situations and it takes an attorney like you who eats breathes and sleeps this kind of thing um, to make certain everything goes either according to plan or to help these people extricate themselves from this mess that's been created and it's very sad that as you just decried a few minutes ago they were not able to just do some basic things like uh, secure a power of attorney you know in today with the pandemic the way it is and way it looks like it's getting worse. I think it, whether, you know, I don't care who you use, but it should have some basic estate planning documents in place. I had my daughter when she just turned 18 this year to do basic estate planning documents. Now, I think she would have preferred having a car for her 18th birthday. <laughs> but I said, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. <laughs> So I don't know if that's a, you know, it doesn't get as good gas mileage, but whatever. It'll last for a longer time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, well, I think it's uh, smart that you did that. Well, you know, everybody could get, anybody could get ill. Anybody could be disabled. Anybody could have to have medical decisions. Anybody could have to have, have want to have access to, you might want to have access to medical records. Anybody may uh, pass at any time for any many reasons, uh, you know. Plus, we, you know, so it's all sorts of different things that are pretty basic yeah. as far as the state planning world that people could plan for that they often just seem to say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow when tomorrow may never come. Right. Well, you have um, 
four questions you want to present to the audience and as as well for answers to those questions regarding people's homestead and, and life estates. Uh, and why don't we start with the first one? Okay. Well, first of all, let me explain uh, what the premise would be. And what we're seeing, I, I had, um, uh, we're seeing a lot of times that people, uh, you know, they, they were married and unfortunately a lot of times marriage ends in divorce and then they get another partner. And it could be for many, many years, and they may have children from a prior first marriage. And they say, you know what, I want my partner to be able to live in that home for the rest of their life. You know, if you're married, you have what's called a life estate. Um, The surviving spouse, even if you cut out the surviving spouse and you have a home, uh, that surviving spouse would have a right to live in the home for the rest of their life. Now, that's called a life estate. Now, of course, the person who occupies the home uh, for the remainder of their life has to take care of maintaining costs like taxes and maintenance fees or mortgage or insurance and repairs, uh, but the, they have the right to live there for life. Uh, but if you're not married, you don't have that right uh, unless that right is given to you. Mm-hmm. So there's different, there are different ways to give what's called a life estate your partner is we see that so many more people today, you know, live together and um, want to see something for the benefit of their partner, but they want the asset to go to their children after they die. In this case, it's just we're just talking about the homestead, although there, if it was other assets, there's other ways to do that. Uh, but so we're talking about giving a life estate to your partner if that's something that you wanted to do. But before you do it, you have to say, well, you know, one of the things I just mentioned is that the partner, um, you know, whoever has the right to the life estate, the right to live and occupy the home, has that duty to take care of all those expenses, the taxes, insurance, et cetera, that we just mentioned. But what happens if that partner doesn't have enough money? They can't, Mm -hmm. you have a big home, they can't afford the insurance or the taxes. They just, you know, they have a good relationship, but they don't have the funds. So how are, are they, how are they going to pay for it? So if you want to, you may want to do something uh, to give enough funds, whether it be in some estate planning documents, uh, whether it be a will or a trust, that they have enough funds to do that if that's something that you want to do. But remember, too, because if, if the partner doesn't maintain the house due to lack of funds, well, the kids take legal action to remove that partner. And believe me, as you might imagine, that usually, um, for whatever reason, not always, of course, but a lot of times the children of the first marriage don't exactly have the fond feelings for the partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's just kind of a natural thing that happens a lot of times. Not, that's not always the case. Right. Um, but, you know, but you can see in so many different situations where the children say, oh, you didn't maintain the property, you didn't pay the insurance, you're out right, right now, and they, they could do it. You would hope that the deceased would, for lack of a better phrase, Mike, give um, the second wife spending money. Here's your spending money, uh, and yeah, um, so that she's prepared. It wouldn't be a spouse because a spouse would have a right to live there for life. But oh, got it. But still, it, whether it's a spouse or not, you mm-hmm. could still give enough money to 
pay those bills, as you said. If but you got to ask the question. A lot of times people might not ask the question to say, well, how are you going to? Yeah, I want you to have it, but how are you going to pay for it? Yeah, that's tough. So then, what does that individual do? Then do they have to just sell the property, or? Well, I mean, I don't. It depends on what you write. What happens? Do you say that they get a portion of the proceeds, or they just get kicked out? Right. So mm-hmm. the so they the kids would probably try to kick the person out. We had. I remember. <laughs> I don't know. I think we talked about a case last year. It was a second marriage, and the kids from the first marriage uh, wanted to make sure that. Mom died, and mom had the house in this case, that they wanted to make sure that that stepdad got kicked out immediately. Well, they can't mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. if he's obviously pays the taxes and interest. They wanted to put it in their legal documents, something that's beyond what the law is. Right. So I'm sorry, I can't tell you, I can't do what's not what the law is against what the law permits. And they said, well, we surely don't want him in mom's house. I uh, said, so, well, he has a right as long as he takes care of those taxes, insurance, and maintenance. Right. So anyway, uh, it is something that's concerned because often, for whatever reason, they don't want that no good you know, person who's uh, that second spouse or, in this case, partner to be able to uh, be able to stay in the home. And they will look for different ways to, in effect, evict them uh, if they don't take care of things. So you just provide for it in your, you know, will or trust or whatever, uh, if that's something that's important to you. Okay. And the second now, question or concern. Well, sometimes people ask, well, should I just do uh, a life estate provision in a deed? In other words, they give the partner a right through a deed, a life estate. But there's a problem with that. You don't want to do that. You know, we've talked about uh, there's different types of ways to do a deed. There's lots of different ways to do a deed. I don't know if most people realize it. So you could give a deed of life estate, mm-hmm. or you could say, uh, you could, uh, you know, we've talked about other types of life estate deeds where, you know, we've talked about ladybird deeds and life estate deeds and prior shows. Those are different. Uh, that would be a deed where the property goes to the, uh, whoever the, ben- the grantee is, the one who's going to receive the property upon death. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that often to avoid probate and to avoid Medicaid estate recovery uh, for the government paying for health care costs uh, to um, protect the, whoever the beneficiary might be. But in this case, should you put a, a life estate deed for the partner for the right to live in the property for life? Now, the problem with that is that once you do that, that's irre- irreversible. I can't make a change like I can on a will or on a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, with a will or a trust, a will, as long as you have mental capacity, you could always do a new will or in a trust, you could always do a amendment to the trust uh, if things go south. But here, if you do it in a deed and you've already given the right to live there, unless that person agrees to give it back, and they probably wouldn't, uh, they, they, you know, because now you have a, they have some sort of value. You can't even sell the property. If you've given a life estate to somebody else to live there for life or something, uh, you can't even sell the property, even if you're a remainder beneficiary, uh, without the consent of the life estate owner. So now all of a sudden you're stuck and so and maybe have partners that you don't want to have as partners. Uh, so especially if things uh, weren't going the way you envisioned when you did the deed. So you don't recommend to give a deed with life estate or life estate deed 
to a partner because for a planning perspective, it's irreversible. Interesting. Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I didn't realize that, and I don't think a lot of listeners realize that. Okay, we're well, that's two so far. How about the third one, Michael? Well, what if you want to place some restrictions on the partner after you die? You know, let's say you're the uh, let's say, for example, um, the husband owns the property. Oh, I say husband. Dad owns the property. He has a a significant other, mm-hmm. uh, and he lets the significant other have a life estate. Would Dad like it if the um, a significant other gets some other guy in the house? Well, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So you might want to put some restrictions. If you have somebody who cohabitates for one night, you lose your life estate interest. Mm. Or, you know, or what about renting? You can't rent the property. Um, We don't want you to be renting the property to have income. Uh, So you could have, and you might have the trust, if you had it in a trust, you could say, hey, trustee, give us proof that the uh, life estate owner, the partner, is paying all the taxes and insurance and maintenance and all the different requirements to make sure that things or the property is being kept up the way you want it to be kept up. So you could put restrictions. So the good thing about, you know, quite frankly, this is the good thing about trust in particular. All you could do it in a will too, but a trust always trust, you could always amend as long as you have mental capacity. And in fact, you could even, um, even if you lack mental capacity, you could have a, like it's what's called a trust advisor or protector who could, you could give certain powers to do even if you lack mental capacity. So even if you're during your lifetime, you can't make changes, you could give somebody else that you trust to protect you, to protect things the way you want. So that's interesting that, um, well, it's not interesting, but and does that apply to all the other possibilities we've talked about, whether being a gambling addict or alcoholic or drug addict? Can those also be strings that are attached? Absolutely. You could put whatever. The good thing about um, any kind of trust, you could say, you know, if you're this or that, whether you're, uh, if you're an alcoholic, maybe let's say uh, you're an like you said, an addict of some sort, or if there's mm-hmm. something that, uh, some sort of thing that you just don't like, you could put restrictions for the most part. I say for the most part, remember, uh, you know, there were some issues that we said, I remember we did, talked about on a show a few weeks ago about certain constitutional rights or uh, things against public policy uh, that would be <clears throat> void. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it's unusual situations. We talked to remember about the judge who had, all right, you can't, um, I, if you don't marry somebody who is, it was white, same religion mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and that the opposite sex that, you know, that there could be some different ramifications under the, either void against public policy, Mm -hmm. uh, even though that is your money, that there is a limit to even that there's a split between, uh, you know, what a person can do, a testator can do if you have a will, and what public policy sometimes permits. Now, I take somebody to complain, so so in other words, there could be some, if it said, you know, let's say, um, you know, you could only get this house if you go rob a bank, 
well, that's not going to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so there could be some restrictions, but that would be void against public policy. For the most part, though, you could do whatever you want. Well, like we've always said, it's their money. It's their assets. They can do whatever they want. And if they want to rule from the graves, they can. I don't uh, necessarily agree with that, but that's their prerogative. And we have to live with that. And um, the heirs have to be aware of, of that possibility because there are no guarantees in life. They've always said that the only two guarantees are death and taxes, and that's probably more true than ever. Many people have said to me, when you when your father passes and you run Crawford Broadcasting, and I have to stop them and say, don't ever think that way, talk that way, um, presume that way, because you don't know. It's in God's hands, uh, and there are no guarantees that that's going to happen because who would have thought COVID would have happened, Mike? Who would have thought the Delta variant would have happened? Who would have thought the George Floyd thing would have turned out the way it had? I mean, it's just things that were unimaginable, unthinkable, and has changed the whole world uh, in many ways for the good, um, sometimes not so good when it comes to the virus and the deaths and pain and suffering people have gone through. But you, there's, you can't predict the future, especially today more than ever. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, from the attorney's mind, you always think about all the bad things. Right. So like in one of my articles, it's going to be in my August newsletter, I said, here are things from a perspective, from a planner's perspective, that's a little bit different from, you know, what most clients think about things the way they are right now. The planner thinks about, oh, what about death? What about disability? What about credit issues? What about remarriage? What about all sorts of other things? What about public benefits? What about, you know, all sorts of different things that what about taxes? What, yeah, I can keep going. But the, the idea, so I wrote one of the articles that I wrote for August is, here, I'm going to take you into the dark side of my world to mm-hmm. say how we look at things a little bit differently. Smart. So, anyway. Very smart to be transparent like that. Already, we've got about five minutes left. What is the fourth concern? Well, you know, we talked about death, but what happens if you, let's say you had to go, let's say husband, I say husband, dad, had to go. Uh, into a memory care unit. He lost capacity and he wants his partner to be able to use that property even if he's disabled. All these other things we were talking about, well, life estate after dad dies Mm -hmm. and then it goes to children. What if you wanted to have it where uh, if even if you're disabled at the partner, because if the partner, um, you know, is just using the property, well, they don't have any protections. They're not a spouse. Um, so what can you do, uh, to stop from the, if you had, had, let's say a trustee, um, to remove that, that, that trustee can say, Hey, I got to sell this property to help pay for care. I'm going to remove you as from the, the house. You're just a, uh, tenant and you know, you don't have, you're not paying any rent, whatever you're out. So if you wanted even during disability to provide for the partner, you could just obviously have a trust that says that the person has um, a right to live there, not only at death, but during your life. Uh, and that, uh, but maybe, uh, you know, so, so you won't be, re- that person won't be removed. Uh, so you just basically put it in the trust that in the event of disability, this is what I want. This is what your expenses are. Maybe this is what funds will cover to take care of you and, either bit of death or disability. So you could do that. And so often a trust is the answer if you uh, are disabled and you want your partner to be able to live in the home uh, during 
not only your life, but after, and after your death. Uh, so again, it's all. So the the questions are: you have to ask. You have to say, well, is there enough money? Should we use a trust? What happens if you become disabled? What happens after you die? What are the, are there conditions? There's a lot of different things. So again. And what happens if the house burns down? You know, is there where the insurance proceeds go? You know, a lot of different things. So, like, this is what I was saying just a minute ago. The planner thinks about all these bad things that could occur, and then you have to, so we can address it the best we can. Of course, like you said, we, who knew about a pandemic? And whatever I tell you today could, you know, certainly change tomorrow. But we try to cover as many of those bad things as possible to make sure that things are protected the way you want under your terms and conditions and as you desire. Um, So it's just a matter of doing things the way you want to protect your loved ones under your terms and conditions that you see best for you. Excellent. And it's the legal terms. What, What are the laws that change all of the time? What are the variables that change, whether it's a variant whether it's legislation, state or federal, things are always changing. So this is another reason why you have to have your state reviewed and made current all the time so that uh, if you become disabled or when you pass away, um, individuals that have to take care of you or are heirs to your estate aren't going to be punished because of new laws or regulations that went into effect that you weren't aware of or the person that passed away wasn't aware of, or the attorney wasn't aware of and couldn't get a hold of the estate in time. So uh, it's kind of insult to death when these things happen. And the best way to prevent such insult is to attend Michael Cohen's next workshop, which is Saturday, August 21st at 10 a.m. And it's online, so it's via Zoom, as we were saying at the beginning of the program, Michael Z. Cohen, because uh, now his middle name really is Zoom these days, because that's how he has to do these workshops, just to be able to maintain social distancing and uh, not put anybody in harm's way, even though uh, most are vaccinated. Um, So it's just easier that way to continue to do these workshops online like he has for the last basically year and a half. And at the workshop, because we're short on time, you get to ask a question about your own individual circumstances. Michael will answer as many or all of them as he can. And then after the workshop, you go to a free vision meeting, which is an hour alone with Michael, also online or via Zoom where he can dive in deeply to your individual circumstances and ask a lot of questions like he did in the middle of his program to make sure you're fully protected, um, again, if you become disabled or pass away. To sign up for that next Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, that's Saturday, August the 21st, 10 a.m., online virtual Zoom workshop. Michael Cohen, we are out of time, sir. We thank you for the expertise, the education, and the care behind it. You have a good day, sir. Thank you. The Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. 
or you can also call them by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.